Welcome to the Firehouse Strength and Conditioning Podcast, where we discuss strength and conditioning and its place in the fire service. I'm Eric Haskins, and I'm a professional firefighter and strength and conditioning coach. Enjoy the show. All right, uh, today we've got a good friend of mine, uh, guest Jason Gusick, uh, aka Gus uh, of Westside Barbell. Uh, welcome. How's it going, man? Good. Uh, you know, as, as I introduce you there, I've got a funny story. Um, the first time we had you up to uh, uh, the gym here to give your uh, lecture, I remember introducing you and I was like, and now, you know, I want to introduce my friend, uh, Jason, like Gusman. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, and you kind of like lean over and you're like, it's, it's, it's Gusick. And I, I like, I felt like such a dipshit. <laughs> almost, almost like that. Uh, if you've seen, what is it? Like Spinal Tap, you know, when he, he's like mm-hmm. coming on stage, like, hello, Detroit. It's like, it's, it's Cleveland, man. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I've been called worse, buddy. It's all right. All right. Well, uh, Gus, uh, Firehouse Strength and Conditioning Podcast, man. Uh, you bring a wealth of knowledge and uh, have a really heavy influence on, on what we do. Uh, but I kind of want to do a, do a brief background on kind of where you're coming from uh, and go as far back as you want to kind of uh, where, where you are today. Uh, I mean... Just like anybody else, well, maybe shouldn't say anybody else, but like a lot of people, I just grew up in the Midwest. So 80s kid, grew up in the 90s, white boy in the suburbs. So obviously I still love Wu-Tang and nunchucks and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, joined the Marines right out of high school in the summer of 01 on my 18th birthday because uh, my parents wouldn't sign me up prior. Then obviously September 11th happened and that kind of changed the trajectory of the military time and spent five years and two months in the Marines. So did some stuff and I uh, got to deploy a couple of times and then post Marines just kind of floated around for a few months and went to Las Vegas a little bit, probably a little bit too much for those, for those days. Um, but I had a lot of fun. And once it was time to kind of get, get my shit together, uh, that coincided with meeting uh, Jess that ended up marrying her. So we were dating at the time and she tricked me into opening a gym in May of 09. So had about a two year gap where we really weren't doing too much productive stuff, but um, just enjoying time off and, and decompressing and just working, uh, trying to figure out how to do gym stuff in this industry. Cause it was totally foreign to me. I just knew that I was not good at having a job. So we had to create one. Okay. Uh, we opened our gym and as I said, May of 09, uh, that led to uh, some of the guys of all things. We used to run distance back then. And so some of the guys from the, the local sheriff's department, the SWAT team and some of the road dudes started working out at the gym with us and they convinced me to apply and through through a little, I would say a little bit of assistance, ended up getting hired um, after about six months, I think it was the application process. So I ended up working the road um, for just about over five years and started in the fall of 09. So for the first five years of the gym, I was also a rookie cop, which made everything much more interesting and in, in trying to balance a profession that takes more than more than full time to figure out and then build a business and, and all that stuff that goes with it. 
Um, that's kind of where I was first exposed to fire service, obviously. And that's where I got super mad at all you guys. Cause everyone likes firemen way more than cops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, what, what do they say? It's, uh, uh, the only thing we have in common is that we both took the fire test. Something like yeah, that. Something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, after, after a, a little while, shortly after we opened our gym, uh, Jess, my wife, introduced me to her former best friend that I stole from her, a dude named Eddie, who at the time um, was in the WEC, which was about the highest level, if not the highest level, that the the lighter weight classes, 155 and below, or excuse me, 145 and below, could get to. And then given enough time, after a few years, um, that was absorbed by the UFC. So overnight, we ended up with a pro athlete on our roster, and then um, ended up doing, doing some decent work in the strength conditioning for MMA. Cause it was kind of how tactical strength conditioning is. It's still a frontier right now in that whole field. That's what strength conditioning for MMA was back in 09, other than just doing hard stuff for hard men. Um, there really wasn't a lot of thought, at least the circles we ran in into building a game plan. So we got to kind of Guinea pig and, and test out a lot of stuff on Eddie and, um, as he made his way up through UFC, that got us back on the radar at Westside, having gone to one of the original CrossFit powerlifting courses when Lou still did it in the gym out there. Um, so we were at one of the very, I know the first one was done for the headquarters staff. So we were at one of the very first public ones, if not the first public one. Um, and then when we started really making headway in the strength conditioning world for MMA, that got us back on the radar at Westside and, and they brought us out. Um, hazed the hell out of us to see if we were pussies. And then um, Tommy Barry took Eddie out with some of the guys and they just kept training after we got through the initial, like basically get out of the car and start pulling sleds portion of the visit. Uh, then Lou took me in the gym started beating the hell out of me while asking a thousand questions. And apparently we said more smart things than stupid things. And I offered a job at the time and, or excuse me, when I got home, I, I realized I was offered a job via email, and we just didn't know what it was yet, but it grew into any number of, of responsibilities that bring us to today. And um, with the release of the Conjugate Club in 2018, 2018 or 2019, I can't remember now, I'm getting old, man. Um, that kind of, that's what inadvertently launched Conjugate Tactical um, from the work I was just doing for Westside Barbell and, and through our gym and it, it made it a whole thing. So we got the hominus dominus from, from the man himself to take the ball and run with it. And that literally brings us from February 07 till about 15 minutes ago, I'd say. And as far as what my entire post-military life has been like is just all of the gym stuff. And then just any blend of two or three jobs at the same time. So luckily everyone's pretty cool with me balancing it all out. And um, I really don't get fired that often. So that's cool. That, that's nice, nice work. Uh, making a, making a long story short, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm, I'm going to try to peel a little bit more out of you. Um, as far as kind of like the, the West side barbell connection. Mm -hmm. Um you know, how, how did you get involved with them? So was the first time you went up there with Eddie and them, or were you training uh, there previously or following their methods or anything like that before that like initial trip up with Eddie? 
Uh, so we, we had a CrossFit affiliate in 08 that started in the garage. And um, we were running, my buddy and I were running a townhome about a quarter mile from where the gym's been for 14 years now. So we had an affiliate in 08. And then by 09, as I mentioned, we went brick and mortar. And um, just sort of how that whole thing was going, at least in the area we live in, it, it started to shift from a cool way to stay connected to the military days of, you know, that's how we, when we found when we started working with the cool guy units, um, everyone was doing that. So being 22 and highly impressionable, I wanted to do that. And um, so we ran with it. And then, you know, the, what is it? The second mouse always gets the cheese. So everyone let us open an affiliate. And then when we didn't go bankrupt in 20 minutes, they opened affiliates. And instead of building it up, everyone just took turns breaking each other down and given enough time. We're like, dude, we're really not, we're not really into this anyway. Um, and we were realizing that we're missing components from strength conditioning. Um, and it's simply because of the, the dynamic in the gym, like we, we've got some very cool people and no one was really enthralled with what was going on. And we knew the piece of the equation that was missing was strength. Like we can get tired doing anything. It's really not that hard, um, programming wise to get tired, especially with the, the, in the back in the day, all the fighters we had in the gym, it was our ongoing joke was simply like, if you just want to get sore and tired, just fight any number of guys in here. They're, they will beat the shit out of you so fast. Like, and you can just get out of here in 10 minutes. You're good. But, um, we, we, we were trying to figure out how to get strong. So we'd run through a handful of things and then being in the first responder space and having the gym full of cops and firemen and like a lot of veteran dudes and fighters, all kinds of stuff. It's pretty gnarly group. And we threw all the, the resources and the, the Google machine, we found Westside Barbell and that started to get real intriguing and then figured out that Westside Barbell was on the main site and all the stuff. So we went to the seminar having, re we really had no knowledge what the hell we were walking into, just simply notebooks and everyone here seems to be very, very strong and we need some degree of that strength. So gotcha. that's how everything kind of came together. And that was, gotcha. I think that was October 09. And yeah. um, then having gone after the initial going back and forth there simply just driving out train for a day or two drive back buy old equipment you you name it like we just never stopped going there sure and then eventually uh lou and tom connected the red wires that that guy from the seminar that bought the books um which is, i know we've had that discussion but that guy from the seminar who keeps coming here is that guy that's doing the programming stuff that you see in, in uh, some of the road to the UFC stuff back in the day when they were doing those shows. Mm -hmm. And that's when they brought us out. So it was a little, a little bit of a um, paying your dues isn't the right term, but it was just a little bit of do basically just do stuff with, we didn't really have a plan. There was no, there was no real like roadmap we were following. We were just trying to apply the methods to what we were doing. And as I mentioned, when we came back out in 2012, we did something, I'm not going to say right, but we did something less bad than other people. And that's what kind of got our, our foothold in the, in the world of Westside. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. That, that helps kind of connect the dots. Um, uh, and now you're, you're running uh, Westside Barbells Conjugate Tactical. I've come out, mm -hmm. done, done a couple of your courses and, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, as a heavy influence on on what we're doing, um, That's good. but you you have a way of you know a lot of people get uh, man, there's a lot of confusing stuff out there when when it comes to like what is conjugate, right? And uh, any number of YouTube videos or posts, um, 
you know, I, I think there's very few people out there uh, that can explain it. And so that's kind of where I want to go next is, is can you kind of help explain or define like what, what is the conjugate method? Yeah. So just, just like any other methodology of training, whatever you want to call it, whether it's, you know, CrossFit, uh, and none of this is a dig on anybody, but call it CrossFit 531, the Jim Jones way method X, Y, Z, you name it. it. Ultimately a training system is, is nothing more than a, a bullet list of, of high points that you follow to execute a training plan. So we always use the term left, right limits. And basically that the conjugate system is, is right on par with any other philosophy of training simply because there's a series of rules and, and guides that you follow to dictate your decisions you make while training. And with an understanding of it, you can start to kind of, you know, it's not necessarily red pill, blue pill matrix stuff, but you can kind of start to see the how and why behind it if you if you read everything dating back from Lou's interpretation and applications of it, read it all the way back to the beginning at the Dynamo Club, you can grab the stuff that you want and what really works for most. And I can preface this next part with the fact that I'm I'm not a competitive powerlifter. <laughs> Louis, the one that actually told me to quit effing around in the world of powerlifting, focus on coaching, because we were doing extremely mediocre, if not worse, for the few meets I ever went to and some of that stuff. So yeah, I got the green light <laughs> to stop. Just basically just quit. <laughs> like you suck so bad at that, and you're decent at this. So get better at the coaching thing. Um, but for most, our our interpretation of it is simply a, a main movement or a compound barbell lift supported by accessories or isolation work, um, auxiliary exercises, any number of terms there again, but ultimately isolation work to target specific muscles or muscle groups with the intended purpose of bringing up weakness or a lagging muscle group in the chain of movement. And then the, the part that's often overlooked um, on, I would say, across the board, regardless of sport, would be the conditioning component. And with our application in the world of conjugate tactical, we define conditioning as placing something in a desired state more so than just the sweaty stuff. So burpees, box jump, all that stuff's cool. But if we want to condition the body or the person, uh, much more goes into that than just getting sweaty and tired. So we have to mirror the gas tank to the desired outcome and then try to balance all these things, which is where the conjugate system differs. Um, more so than explaining uh, a pretty simple theory of training and overcomplicating it, it differs from most in that we're building a lot of special strengths or the special strengths that apply to sport. Um, we're building those simultaneously versus letting any one of them lag for a specific amount of time, which is where the big split from Western periodization or linear periodization goes into the conjugate method and that we're building up you know, anywhere from two to five special strengths at the same time. And then, then it's a balancing act, and that's that's sort of the, the fun side or the science of coaching is being able to understand everything from the weights and velocities and the speed at which they're moving and pairing that with the strength that's being trained. And if you can ID any sort of lagging in any one strength that you deem important as the coach or the athlete, then you get to work with repairing via accessory work or drop sets or any number of things other than just the one rep max main movement, which will take care of your maximal strength. And, um, you know, with the lineage we come from, the, the maximal strength component is the backbone or the precursor to all other special strengths. But with the understanding of the system and, and taking two seconds to figure out what the hell it is you're trying to do to your athletes, um, I think that 
damn near any coach, provided they're not led by charlatans, um, provided, you know, any coach can can get most people on track with where they need to go. And then, you know, without going too far out in the weeds, keeping a, a realistic understanding of, of where we fall in the pecking order. Uh, and the one I've, I know you've been to a bunch of our stuff and we've hung out and everything like that. But if you have a family, mortgage, career, any number of things throwing you further and further away from the Olympics, you're probably not going. So yeah, be, being able to balance the proper intensity and the practicality of the system is, in my opinion, where where it gets a bad name. The people will find a thousand ways to make quote West Side quote unquote not work for them. Um, versus finding the one prescription of everything from exercise selection to intensity, um, finding that one prescription that will work for that individual person's circumstances. And um, again, without being too long-winded about it, that's where I would say the conjugate system comes in and sort of, um, rather than making a, a simple set of left-right limits overly complicated, mm-hmm. um, explaining the high points and then sort of how it, how it translates or differentiates from any number of methods that are out there, which will also get you strong. There's a, there's a lot of ways to get stronger, but if you want to be the strongest, you, you have to train the maximal strength component provided you have a definition of strength similar to ours. And yeah. Cool, man. Um, so w- w- within, you know, we, you mentioned say like high points, and so one of those high points you, or a couple of them you talked about was, uh, you know, that maximal effort, right. Mm-hmm. Um, method. And then the, the use of accessories, uh, to target lagging muscle groups, weaknesses, and those things that, you know, are ultimately, you know, what I've found is that max effort exercise, places a magnifying glass on those like weak muscle groups. So not only is it, you know, the, the, the driving the adaptation you're looking for, say for maximal strength, but it also used as, as an assessment tool, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's at that 90% or above where we start to find out like where our weaknesses are, what's, what's limiting our ability to, to produce maximal strength, which then can guide us towards our, our accessories. That you're spot on. I mean, that's exactly it. You're, you're going to discover the lagging muscle group either through increased weight and oftentimes through fatigue as well. But the, the, the difference in using strength endurance and maximal strength to identify the weak muscle group, it gets you there, but it's not, it's not this, it's not same. It's, it's comparable, but if we can get that data via uh, maximal strength or the max effort method, you know, and we don't want to fail every rep to finish the sets and there's, that's a whole other sidebar of, of like do's and don'ts kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but being able to look at that bar, you know, twist, slow down, fade, get stuck in the hole, slow down at a certain point in your deadlift, that stuff. That's where you can reap the all the data you need to make a majority of your decisions. And once you do that, um, then you're then you're following your own personal flow charts of how you correct exercises or pardon me, correct body mechanics through through special exercises mm-hmm. and then we just do that for a long time yeah <laughs> you know, it's a, a long period of trial and error both as a coach and an athlete on um, a long period of trial and error um to figure out what works for this individual or that individual and all individuals if you're working in the group setting or 
you know, 80, 20 rule. It's going to work for 80% of the folks out there. Sure. So you're not launching everyone from zero. And that's, I mean, that's our job. That's literally the strength coach's job. So you can translate that into any number of gimmicks or, or, you know, goofball stuff out there to make it more complicated than it has to be. But you're, you're just constantly performing course correction on your athletes while maintaining special strength simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I dig it. And you know, that, that takes a, I think a, a, an experienced coach, right? Like the, the benefit of in-person coaching versus say like remote programming is uh, that's both of them have their high points. And sure. I'm, I'm the first to admit I'm, I'm marginally effective as a remote coach compared to what I, I believe we can do in person. I'm never going to make the claim that I'm the, the best at anything or anything like that. But I know whatever degree of good I am on the scale, I'm much better in person versus right. remote, um, both due to my schedule, but also just having the gym here for almost 14 years now. Um, I've never really had time to go down the remote road other than taking care of a handful of friends and, and buddies and things like that the best we can. Mm-hmm. So the two of them definitely, there's they're skill sets to both. So that's one thing that, you know, I know this isn't like a therapy session, but one thing that really drives me nuts is, it's just the constant bickering of like, you know, you, you don't have to make fun of someone because they specialize in remote programming and that that crowd doesn't have to make fun of the the dinosaurs that still train people in person versus rising to scale via social media and apps and this, that and the other. It's like, right, dude, we exercise human beings that this stuff doesn't <laughs> have to turn into freaking Biggie and Tupac or Yankees and Red Sox and all that kind of stuff. Just, yeah, it's we're, it's too early in the afternoon to have a beer and really let it fly. So we have sure. to, we'll have to put a pin in that conversation. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so we've done, uh, we've talked about the, the maximal effort method. And I think we're, you know, j- just kind of wrap that up is, you know, in coaching people with that, one of the hardest things is, especially when they're new to the maximal effort method, is to understand or get across the, this idea of you know uh, one rep max mm-hmm. doesn't mean working you know to failure or you know th- this really high risk right because there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that uh, are are concerned with the maximal effort method They're like man one rep maxes are dangerous they're unsafe mm-hmm. you know and uh, you know my argument and something that that you've talked about is just, you know, the maximal effort method being the heaviest weight you can lift that day with perfect technique. Mm-hmm. And so really like there, there should be no failing on a maximal effort. Today. Correct. I mean, and, and I, I would say for the comment, when it gets to, and I, I've seen the world's best power lifters and also before that spirals off the rails, like everyone has to remember, or if you don't remember or don't know, the system was drawn from the sport of weightlifting. So when a demographic poo-poos on a system that generated champions in their own sport, um, it just comes from a point of misunderstanding. And I think you hit it on the head in that um, a a lot of the faults that occur in training or um, in interpretation come from a lack of understanding. So Lou has always taught us, and I say us, not just me and a handful of guys that have worked for him for years prior to his passing, but just us as a you know physical culture out there that this is a training max so it made a lot of sense until the boom of social media and that 
and I, and I mean, I record my workouts, so I'm not talking shit. <laughs> yeah. But the, um, you know, the, the theatrics that go into maximal effort really serve not necessarily no point, but sometimes they're detrimental, you know, the smacking your head into the wall or smacking a friend across the face and throwing chalk in the air and huffing salts, that stuff's great for sports. But if you're training that way, the burnout rate or the attrition is going to skyrocket and it's quite detrimental compared to keeping an even keel um, mindset and training. And I'm not saying to go in there like morose and loathe training or anything, but you know, you, you can have some good music playing and, and things of that nature and, and get after it in the gym, but it's controlled intensity. Sure. And then also, you know, through the science of coaching or the art of coaching or just whatever you want to call it, um, being able to create and maintain a culture of balancing in the two, I use the concept of left, right limits, but I, you know, Yuri Berkashansky's quote of um, any idiot can make another idiot tired. And Louis Simmons quote of you can't train like a puss all the time. <laughs> somewhere between those two extremes, um, somewhere between those two extremes is a decent approach to training and being able to identify days where men and women should not max out due to any number of variables, especially in the first responder space, mm-hmm. um, ultimately save us from ourselves because, I mean, male or female, I don't, whatever it is, but I just always use the term guys, but in, in our space, and I'm no longer a first responder or military dude, I'm right back to support staff where I belong. Um, if you tell our demographic of folks, you know, male or female, but if you tell these guys, like, hey, go do this. People are going to bite down and get the job done because everyone's just terribly stubborn and proud of what they do. Right. So that's where it's like, okay, then you, again, going out in the weeds, but the idea of your culture and that your training methodologies and your coaching practices, um, that's where you can save people from your, themselves. So if it's, you know, like if you're just going out there because you have to max out today, um, that's, I can't say that's right or wrong dealing with hypothetical human beings, but. If you've been up a midnight shift or you got held over, you know, using your profession for an example, you got held over for four to six hours on a burn and you're dehydrated. Yeah. And the guys who got six or eight hours of sleep are maxing out by the time you get to the gym. Maybe you shouldn't pull heavy that day. Maybe you want to go pull a sled, down the accessories, but that's the beauty of the conjugate system. And it's not conjugate tactical doing it. It's an understanding of Louis's application of the methods and, and the creation of the West Side system. But even with an off day or there's never a significant slump in your readiness or performance if the special strengths are balanced. So it's hard for me to, to sit there and listen to a, what a brilliant man has created, be watered down, diluted, um, and then just kind of poo-pooed on due to a lack of understanding or some sort of nefarious intent behind it. Um, just as you'd mentioned, maintain your form. It may get a little ugly when weights get heavy. Right. But there's a fine line between that this concept of deep practice and you know you you learn at the edge of your capability yeah. and recklessness. So there's a fine line between the two, and if you hover on that line, you're going to make a lot of progress. Yeah. But if you're going in there every day, just emotionally charged and spitting fire and going berserk for a lift <laughs> that literally no one cares about, like it's it, it's best of intentions but poor outcome for most. Sure, uh, and this this is spoken from a, a completely mediocre athlete standpoint <laughs> in myself. But we've been training for a long time, and I do believe we've helped a lot of people by introducing control and understanding of the system more so than the theatrics of some of the stuff that's out there. Um, as far as as that side of the equation goes, like I have no ill will necessarily towards anybody. I shouldn't say anybody. There's some people I don't like, but 
um, for most, I don't understand the intent behind what they're doing. So I can't offer an unsolicited, educated opinion on it. Sure. So I always try to compartmentalize that. But I, I think if you follow the steps that you laid out of, you know, keeping it pretty damn common sense, you have an effective way to train. Um, but it's, again, it's on the coach or the gym owner to instill that in the training culture more so than just wash, rinse, repeat of what you've seen on a highlight reel. Sure. And unfortunately, the next generation is, um, they're victim to that. And by next generation, I'm knocking on the door of 40. Coaches moving into the space now in that mid-20s, early 30s group, um, they're putting their reps in before they hit 10, 15, 20 years of doing this. And they're going to be better than we ever were because there's just constantly advancing information out there and trial and error yielding superior results. So within a year, everything we say today is going to be dated and disproven most likely. Yeah. Um, but it's all really interesting. And then one area I think we both omitted, and forgive me, I just got off of a flight, so I'm a little You're scared of my brain, but is, is introducing an adaptation phase um, where if we take a beginner or an intermediate lifter, hell, even an advanced lifter, but someone who is not training following the conjugate principles and just pivot 90 degrees into max effort deadlifting versus easing in and getting away from any number of things. It could be complete randomization. It could be a reliance on percentage-based training, but if you greenlight someone to go out there and just start pulling and squatting as heavy as they possibly can without essentially offering some degree of adaptation to the CNS or the body and the joints, the connective tissue, um, you, as a coach, we're setting that person up for failure. So that's another component that un unfortunately we see a lot of folks get wrong. And that's one that I can say matter-of-factly is people will get wrong um, letting people go full bore max effort too quick you have to i don't know how long that adaptation is for everybody on the planet but a couple of months of easing into the system is going to set those folks up for success it's just maddening because they're gonna be like well i want to bench heavy like that guy yeah it's like well you need to hit a lot of sets of six or eight and get some damn volume in you, and then we can start turning you loose. But right, that's that's the that's legitimately for 15 years of doing this now. Um, that's still the funnest part is convincing people to do shit and just argue and yell and scream over something as silly as how heavy you can lift a bar. Like, sure, it's still so damn fun. I can't help it. Like, it's <laughs> it's a lot of damn fun just arguing with people on this stuff. Um. Uh, well, I, on on the flip side of things kind of want to dive into the dynamic effort. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, God, I was, I was just listening to something from, from Dave Tate yesterday and he was talking about how people just get so caught up and whether they're using the term dynamic effort method or uh, speed work. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he just kind of came around he's like, let's just call it what it is. And, and it, it's technical work. Um, mm -hmm. Those are your, and, those are your practice days. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I really like that approach. And, and I think that's probably what people have even struggle with most is understanding they're like, but, but the weights aren't heavy. Like, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, they're so used to, you know, most of us spent time really solely doing like a repetition effort, like our entire lives. And so now on the outskirts of that, um, you know, we, we kind of talked about the max effort, but then, you know, going light and fast, it's like, well, how do I get stronger from that? So can, can you kind of touch on what the dynamic effort method is and, uh, and then, you know, how we use it, say 
in, in the tactical populations and stuff like firefighting. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've pretty much summed it up and, and I, I don't know Dave personally or anything like that, but that's a wonderful way to explain it. And that that's your technical work and our, our sort of adaptation of it or application, excuse me, of it is, you know, basically we keep the max effort work as just getting all purpose generic strong. We can play with, because we live in the tactical space, so we're not committed or bound by sport. Um, so we can mix in strongman movements or pressing or any, any number of things out there. But to stay on track with dynamic, that's where ultimately, if we want to call it technical work, that's that's a great term for it. For us, that's our time to practice and that we're using submaximal weights. And with those submaximal weights, squat, bench, and dead, or I mean, you can element, you can put in push press or whatever the hell it is you want, but to keep it simple, squat, bench, and dead at you know, 40 to 50, 60, 70% of your maxes, that's that's enough motor unit recruitment to force you to do the reps the right way, but it's not so heavy that you're focused on on the risk of injury. So you do get to execute your lifts focusing on the lift itself while simultaneously, um, how, how do I say this thing? Simultaneously using the already set percentages between A.S. Prilopin and Louis Simmons, the, they've done the grunt work for us. Right. right? All we have to do is, you may spin the wheel in a different direction, but we just have to keep the wheel spinning. Yeah. So by using the right percentages of either accommodating resistance or or fixed barbell weight, you're free to focus on technique and speed, and they're already dialed in, so the proper velocities are taken care of. So tendo units, apps, things of that, that's all good to go. There's nothing wrong with any of it. It's terribly expensive, but that's, you know, it is what it is. Um but being able to utilize these submaximal weights to practice the lifts as well as develop speed and force are how we're able to develop special strength. So if we view special strengths and, and understanding the force velocity curve is a crucial component to this. And this isn't, you know, PhD rocket surgery. It's, it's just reading like the books are already written and it's, then it's interpretation. And if you can communicate, you can train human beings. Um, but knowing the velocities and the special strengths that's being trained, is a part that people often overlook because reading is lost to entertainment online, you know? Yeah. So a lot of folks don't back backpedal into where it all originates from. And if you don't do that, then you're, you're at risk of not having a true understanding. But if we look at maximum strength being trained at a velocity of roughly 0.3 meters per second or slower due to the weight, then we understand that strength to a degree. Um, our speed work, dynamic effort, um, technical work, whatever you want to call that, but our fast stuff is trained at 0.8 meters per second for speed strength and in excess of a meter to 1.2 meters per second for explosive power. So the percentages are there. If we move them at the right velocity, that strength is being trained. And we're, we're literally training both sides of the coin simultaneously in the same week. And the two are mutually supportive. So the stronger we get, the higher percent, pardon me, the fit percentages are fixed but the stronger we get in the maximal strength world, the more weight will be moved at a fixed percentage on dynamic day. So if you're a 400 pound bencher, that's good to go. And I, everyone benches 405. No one benches 400. That's the sure. worst thing in the world. Sure. But 405 <laughs> is hard to do. But if you're a 400 pound bencher and your 50% is 200 pounds, then by the time you move a barbell from point A to point B, that weight is going to have generated, in addition to your movement, but that weight will have generated X amount of force and a total amount of volume by the time you complete your 27 reps on dynamic day. If your 50% of 400 becomes uh, 50% of 420, 
a greater load of, of weight has been lifted. There's more force at point B because a greater um, amount of weight has been moved from point A to point B. And this cycle just continues to repeat. And then having an, an understanding or a little bit of forethought as a coach, um, it will top out at some point. In our space, in the tactical space, unless you're a strength sports athlete, um, but in the tactical space, there, there eventually will come a point where it's like, all right, dude, like I'm, I'm strong enough for my profession. And then we're just going to put you in some sort of holding pattern or maintenance mode because we don't want to cross the point of diminishing returns. So the dynamic work is, is really where I think the money is made. Right. Because maximal strength is great. Everyone can get stronger lifting heavier things, whether it's five sets of five, it's 63% or one rep max for the day. If it's tough and you grind out some, some reps at the tail end of a set or of a workout, given enough time under tension, you're going to get stronger. But the dynamic work is where the, the nerd in all of us can really get to work and you get to play math and do all this kind of stuff. But then you see the two balance off of one another. And as long as the folks can take, and I, I'm going to go ahead and be sexist on this one, it's, it's never the gals. At least in my experience, the gals are a-okay with lightening the bar and moving it quickly and accumulating volume. Yeah. The dudes, our, our insecurity comes to the surface really, uh, really quick. Totally. If you're, using, <laughs> if you're using anything other than 45, <laughs> I get, our insecurity comes to the surface really, really quick. So tip of the cap to the ladies um, that are performing the dynamic work and doing so properly. But if, if you're not moving the barbells at the proper velocity, you're training a different strength. Sure. And you're moving higher and higher up the force velocity curve and, and lose, not necessarily gift, but I don't have a better way to say it, but lose gift to strength and conditioning is balancing all of this stuff out for us. Like we, we cannot do it better. It's been done. Right. But what we can do is reapply it to our athletes and our demographics and keep them on the course. And again, we, we've got a, a whole other sidebar about some of those dudes out there um, taking credit for things that they didn't invent versus citing the man himself. And I mean, I'm terribly loyal, so full disclaimer on that one yeah but that's that's really where people can get in the weeds or get themselves out of the weeds with the dynamic work is understand that basically light is good and that we train light you know and i again i've been able to train i'm not going to say with but I'm, i've trained near the world's greatest power lifters at 497 industry drive and you watch a, a man bench 900 to a thousand pounds on wednesday and then saturday as light as 225 Right. And he continues to move forward. You're like, well, if it works for him, I, I am not so unique as a person <laughs> that if it works for a world, world champion, it won't work for me. Right. And we've been able to, to sort of translate that message into our demographics. And with hopefully a degree of trust, um, people will continue to follow that because it does work. And that's for most, it's just not fun because it's not the hardest thing you do. Right. And when that, when that component comes up and just to, if anyone is listening that's trying to layer some of this stuff into their coaching, um, that's where we manipulate rest periods. The big, strong guys do not like breathing too heavy for too long. So if we take 30 or 40 seconds away from your rest, moving those light weights very quickly becomes very, very difficult. So if you need a little bit of a you know, masochism or anything like that in your training, <laughs> just get off your butt and go lift the, the light weights really fast like you're supposed to and get a little sweaty doing it. It's not too bad. Yeah, like dynamic days are, I mean, for me and and, and when I see them done, you know, what, what I think is correctly, uh, mm -hmm. they're oftentimes like brutally crushing compared oh, yeah. to like like a max effort day is, is simple. I won't say easy, but uh, but then dynamic effort days, man, when you're 
you know, we, we can talk about compensatory acceleration and when you're really like lifting with purpose mm -hmm. and driving into that bar versus backing off, um, which is mm -hmm. so easily done with, with submaximal weights. Like people don't even realize they're, they're doing that. Oh, but yeah. um, That's what, man, I mean, the, those workouts are crushing. That. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it, but that's where, you know, everything at Westside, and I say we, I, I wear a number of hats, you know that, but everything we've said at Westside is it, the reliance on quality training partners is huge. Even as, you know, Gus and all this stuff that we've, we've uh, accomplished over the years and some titles we've earned and things of that nature. If like no one's there to kick me in the ass, I can only go, I like to think I'm pretty self-motivated, but lifting weights with a bunch of gnarly dudes or, you know, like you've met some of the gals in my gym. They're, they're yeah. freaking brutal, man. They will emotionally yeah. batter you for hours. <laughs> if you, if you make a mistake, um, having those people in place to keep you on course and then with trust, move you forward. Um, it's a crucial piece of the pie. And that's where you see guys, like there's no need to put on, I shouldn't say no need, but I haven't yet to see a purpose in the years I've been doing this. And I've been at Westside Barbell for 10 years, um, to layer up bench shirts, band, all this crazy stuff versus building the strength and, and speed needed to take care of your force development. And then with the relationship of maximal strength and force and how the two compound off of one another, a lot of folks are doing themselves a great disservice simply by being unwilling or unable. Like there's some straight up mental connection to big barbells, but being unwilling or unable to reduce the, the weight on dynamic day and pursue speed with the understanding that we're training a different strength on purpose. Right. You're not, you're not shorting yourself. We're, we're tackling a different objective without yes. being too cheesy about the tactical terms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, there's a lot of people out there a hell of a lot tougher than me. And I physically can't make a great deal of the human population do things they don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily we're in a position where um, we don't really have to go out pushing for work too hard nowadays. Wow. <laughs> I'm getting old. I don't have the whole lot of fight left in me for arguing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, explaining the purpose behind it, um, I, I think help, helps to get some, you know, and, and it's it's hard. You know, I'll say, yes, you know, the purpose is to increase the rate of force development. And it's like, that'll land with, you know, one of, one of 10 people. They're like, all right, what, whatever, nerd. Um, yeah. And... Uh, trying to explain it, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, we know in the fire service, uh, not only do we need to be strong, but we need to be explosive and, and mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, whether it's forcible entry or we're throwing ladders or performing a search, I mean, these things happen, have to happen very quickly. And, uh, it's, it's not a marathon. Um, when, when we're deploying hose lines or even making a push down a hallway, this is, this is all happening with you know producing high amounts of force very quickly oh, yeah. and so well, i mean i've i've been privy again I, i've never outside of being invited to firehouses i've never worked or lived in a firehouse so i of all my shortcomings the one thing i've always tried to be is authentic and transparent so i'm definitely not an expert on it but having been on scenes with you guys and getting to meet a tremendous amount of firemen in all these years of doing stuff it's the seconds that count so yeah you can't jog from point a to point b um, and forgive me if I'm sure my math's off, but it was explained to me that basically a fire doubles in size every 10 seconds, if I remember correctly. Um, so if you're covering ground in 11 seconds, 10 times math, but you're covering ground, you know, 
every 10 seconds or every 100 seconds, you lose 10 seconds. You've doubled the fire. So you guys have to be able to accelerate and you have to be able to stay quick in a fatigued state. So the dynamic effort is it, it's where you make your money, man. Like, I don't want to rip anybody. Like we try our best at our seminars. So I don't want to like, yeah, yeah. you know, like you already said that on a podcast, why the F am I here? But um, the, in my opinion, the better you can manipulate and maneuver dynamic work, um, Max Ever can go on autopilot. As you said, it's not easy, but it's quite simple mm-hmm. um, in that side of the coin. But the dynamic stuff is where you can really become a specialist. And with a profession like yours, that's a square peg, square hole. Yeah. Especially as you mentioned, like throwing hose, man, that stuff. Um, I mean, obviously the, the group I got to work out with, I was way better at moving all the tools and hoses and ladders than any real fireman out there. And then they all had to quit and I was the best on the job, but yeah, that didn't okay. happen. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> but you know, your idea of, of moving hose quickly and things like that, that's, there's nothing wrong with having strong hips and moving your arms quickly. That, that's your speed bench or right. push press and things of that nature. So it all translates well. Um, and then again, without turning this into a gripe session, um, it's just not terribly entertaining. Sometimes the work you do is just straight up monotony. And that's, that is the one thing that I do love about the tactical space. And really the only thing that kind of kept us in it um, with my background of, you know, I don't have a whole lot of cool guy accolades. I got to work with a bunch, but I don't have the cool guy accolades on my resume um, is the willingness of the true professional in our spaces, whether it be police, military or fire on EMT, you know, the, the whole gambit, the whole list of sure. guys and gals doing our stuff. Um, is there, there's a great deal, deal of people that take their profession quite serious and are willing to build their bodies around what they have to do. And that, that dedication by the athlete or by the end user is, is quite rewarding versus the guy that had a couple of beers during UFC 280, whatever, and wanted to fight. And then the next day went to his first practice and was like, fuck this, this hurts. <laughs> and then, you know, we're guys and guys in a fire service or police or anything like that. Um, you're just going to keep doing it no matter how bad it sucks because it, there, there are wonderful people in these spaces that don't want to let other people down. And I, without being a kiss ass, but it's, it's much more present in fire service in my opinion than my experience in law enforcement of like true brotherhood and, and giving a shit about one another and, and the profession itself. Um, so the, when, when coaches figure out how to translate and communicate all this crazy shit to their peers, it's, it's a, it's, Beautiful is a cheesy thing to say, but it's a wonderful thing to see Yeah, when it's like, holy shit, like, again, having been at Westside for 10 years, when, when the message gets out and you see people do things that are effective, it's like, okay, you know, I can't speak on behalf of the legacy of Louis Simmons, but of all the years of talking with and to him since 2009, um, and then coming on board in 2012, um, like the man truly was tickled to death every time. There was a good story of how his methods helped someone. You touched a bit on, I mean, you mentioned bench shirts and, uh, you know, bands and chains. Um, but I'd like to talk a little bit about like accommodating resistance and and what that is. Um, so if, if you could dive into, to, yeah, accommodating resistance and, and why, why would you use something like that? Yeah. So whether it's, I mean, you can, you can hook bands from the deck or hang them from overhead, hook chains, uh, weight releasers, I think are, are of the two, or pardon me, of the three weight releasers are probably the least common. 
with accommodating resistance, whether, no matter how you have it hooked up, what you have is an ever-increasing load on the barbell. So if you're pushing into band tension or increasing weight on the barbell by lifting links of chain off the floor or an overloaded bar hung from, the, hung from overhead with bands supporting it and putting weight back on, the, you know, if we're pushing into that, it's, it's discouraging deceleration. So if we explode in the pursuit of speed, strength, and explosive power, um, if we decelerate, and I know we're audio, so I can't do all my hand gestures, but um, the, minute, the minute an explosion, or I shouldn't say the minute, but the millisecond, an explosion stops, you can only slow down. So if we're coming off the chest as fast as possible, once acceleration has ended, which is over in a heartbeat, um, that barbell is going to slow down or decelerate. If you're pushing into band tension or chain weight with the increased weight on the bar, you're never going to slow down because if you do, those bands are going to be pulling that bar right back to your chest. So it's a hell of a way to get fast, not necessarily high consequence, but there are, there are consequences to slowing down. But because we're using submaximal weights on dynamic day, that's where you really can learn to, you know, if you go Pavel terms, grease the groove, on dynamic day, but with accommodating resistance, it's a variable on max effort day, something so that we don't regress in training so that we can continue to revolve the exercises or rotate the exercises. And then on dynamic day, where the percentages are fixed after, essentially after lose R&D back in the day, and where the percentages are fixed, we're able to train speed, strength, and or explosive power without slowing down. So you're truly training acceleration more so than just doing things fast. Sure. Yeah, because uh, you know, um, with, without out the bands, right? So if if you're using you know fifty percent, like if if you are driving through that bar as quickly as possible, there's going to come a point where where you you jump off the ground. Um, and mm -hmm. so for most people, because they don't want to do that or they don't want the barbell to come out of their hands mm -hmm. or off of their back, you know, at some point during that lift, they are backing off. And that's where mm -hmm. like the use of accommodating resistance, right? As mechanical advantage increases, so does the resistance. Um, mm -hmm. They have, it gives them the ability to continue to accelerate through that full range of motion, right? Absolutely, yep. And I mean, that's, that's a great way to look at it too, is it, it does offer control to the bar if you're working light. There's, there's a big difference between ballistic benching and speed benching. If you're dropping the bars to reverse it and develop reversal strength and et cetera, you know, yada, yada, yada on that, I think that's totally different than moving a, a barbell controlled and quickly. And another, another component to the whole bands being on the bar, whether you call it accommodating resistance or just bands on the bar, now you're able to manipulate and sort of maneuver through the world of the force posture curve in which we're applying additional resistance at traditionally weak positions on a lift or a movement. So with that, with the bands comes a great deal of a great deal of training benefit. But then there, I mean, there's always, um, there's always an exception to the rule. Like I don't know the man well, but having been able to meet uh, Danny Grigsby and the boys down in DC at the Marine barracks there, the man pulls over a thousand pounds barehanded. Um, and I've, I have not seen him the few times we talk and, and interact and whatnot and going down there to see the guys. Um, I, I'm yet to see him put bands on a bar. I'm not saying that he doesn't. Um, so th there's always, there's always an exception to the rule and that people get brutally strong again, back to the beginning of it.
people get brutally strong doing any number of methodologies and, and whatnot. And when you find the right way that works for you, um, now, now you're really starting to train. Everything else is trimming everything that doesn't apply until you find your formula. But band tension or accommodating resistance, it checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. It's just understanding, like anything else, the how and why behind it. And, I mean, for me, you know, I think probably our age group, we're still pretty attached to books. Um, but there's a lot of good information, a lot of smart people um, pumping out good content and, and good information via video on YouTube or whatever the platform is. So I'd, I'd say find the people that you trust and, and the message you like and, and follow it. But if, uh, if you can read these books and reread them and then ask questions and find that stuff, a lot of this stuff, it makes a hell of a lot more sense when you drink it straight from the source versus interpretations or misinterpretations from any number of folks out there. But I, I like, I've never really even thought about it your way of that keeping that bar glued to the shoulders if you're squatting. Um, I mean, yeah, that's spot on there too. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I really like it with uh, even, you know, I've used it in large settings uh, with brand, brand new lifters. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think what I like about the, the use, of, especially with like a novice, is it gives them instant feedback. Like it gives them a plumb line and it gives them feedback throughout their lift and they can't just like drop into the bottom and it, it requires control throughout because mm -hmm. you're having this, this force, you know, additional force placed on you throughout, you know, the entire range of motion. And, uh, so I, I see a lot of benefit in using it, you know, not only with advanced lifters that, you know, um, but even with novice athletes to help them find their, their, their place in space. Um, I really yeah. like it. Is, is accommodating resistance required? No, no, it's not. I mean, nothing, nothing's required at the end of it. This is just exercise. You right. Know? Um, so, but none of it's required. However, to develop your true explosive power, it is, it's going to be crucial there, but in the totality of training, it's definitely not a, a must have. However, in, the, in a, building a gym and again, I haven't been at Westside for 10 years. <laughs> what if you don't have bands is the biggest question we get. Yeah. The red, mini, the red mini bands go on sale all the time. And if they're not on sale, they're 12 bucks or something like that for a pair. Sure. So just get, just get bands. Like I, I will literally mail you a pair if you have to, just so you never say, what if I don't have bands to me again? Okay. They're a great, they're a great tool. Not you, you have a shitload of bands. I well, seen yeah, but, it, it, but it, for it's, someone else. Expect that uh, in your Christmas card to uh, yeah, yeah right hey, uh, I'll, I'll ask for bands next christmas for sure no I, I think i think they're a good tool but but nothing uh, nothing is nothing is essential to strength training in the conjugate system or at least the west side applications though it's of all the things that you could buy i would get bands before many many tools out there oh that's that's a good good recommendation and and it, i mean just to wrap that up it, it comes back to the controlling of like the stimulus. So as long as the, mm -hmm. the percentages and the weights are right and that you're lifting with the intent, uh, whether you have bands, you know, uh, chains or weight releasers or not, um, mm -hmm. as long as the intended stimulus is, is applied, you're going to get the type of adaptation you're looking for. And it's, I mean, it's, it's varying degrees of, of yes. You're not going to develop the acceleration and true speed unless you're pushing into accommodate pushing or pulling, excuse me, into accommodating resistance. But again, being on the the average Joe side of the house, 
if you're dialed in on percentages and not just picking up weights willy nilly, yeah. um, you're, most of us are going to be good to go. Nice. Um, all right. So, so with kind of, we, we've really dove into a lot of, a lot of the methods you've, you've been doing this for a long time, you've worked with, uh, a lot of different agencies. I, I've always appreciated your, uh, as you would call it, uh, alphabet soup. Um, what, uh, what kind of lessons have you learned, um, you know, across the tactical populations that, that you work with? Say that you that you previously didn't have, you know, before before working with them. Well, we've been we've been fortunate in some of the places that we work, um, and that we're we're typically in the same age bracket as a lot of the guys we get to live with. So I, I'm able to learn real time what happens at you know your mid 30s to late 30s compared to your early 20s. But then on the flip side, we also get some dudes in their early 20s who are ready to get after it. My favorite example of how terrible I am at remote programming and coaching is something we did to a, a, a poor fella named Jeremy out in uh, Coronado. We were putting his workouts together and I just made a typo. So it was like five sets of, of 20 or something like that. Uh, leg curls yes. against the band. And I, <laughs> I had two zeros. So this dude freaking accidentally did a thousand seated leg curls oh. and didn't bat an eyelash. He's like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like, I'm amphibious bitch. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> However, uh when father time continues to roll, um, it was cool having cartilage in my knees 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, those days are long gone. So, um, I think, I think the, the more I got into actual coaching and relationship building versus just the turnover that is the popularity contest of strength conditioning nowadays, um, the longer we work with folks, the more we get to learn. And I say, we, um, we've got a pretty good team of, of guys and gals that, that contribute to moving our groups forward. Not it's not just the Jason show, um, but what I've learned is a lot of maintenance work and a lot of of focus on omitting intensity. Again, we can't train like a softy and, and expect anything to get done. But doing intelligent work versus just doing hard stuff. Um, when we really started to kind of dive into that, it was like, all right, cool. Now it's making a lot of sense, and a lot of it stemmed from. Um, I made a joke about the alphabet soup, but even going in back into MMA, UFC, WEC, whatever, <laughs> whatever you would know, it, everything always ends up with the letters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but even then, it's like, man, th these guys and gals are—they're participating in a brutal freaking sport. And I, I don't know the technical side. Like, I've been beat up by a lot of folks. That's what you know. So we try to remember what that feels like and mind how we talk. But um, the last thing these folks need is typically a weight room dude a strength coach who's there for their strength conditioning, but also their well-being and wellness is layering in more, you know, burpee sprints, burpee sprints. I mean, if the situation calls for it, yes, but there's plenty of times where a quarter or a 45 is thrown on a sled and our focus is restoration or things of that nature. So um, of all the learning points, I, I think it's learning how to sort of let intensity ebb and flow more so than introducing um, a concept or a culture of just, you know, no excuses, yelling, screaming, right. tough guy stuff. More, more is better. That's not, yeah, that's just not how it's done. Um, but again, that's where I, I've never really deviated. And I, I, I don't want to sound like an arrogant jerk, but just for myself, like I've never deviated from one single path. Like we've got my little gym here that grew into conjugate tactical. 
And we've been so fortunate with the work we get to do in some of these different groups that um, we're with people for years versus just a few weeks or download my six week program or any number of stuff that's out there. There's nothing wrong with it. I just, I know I can't do it well. And we've been so freaking busy for 14 or 15 years that we haven't had the chance to learn how to do it right. So being able to do what we do has yielded a great deal of information, but to make a short answer long, um, I'd say learning how to reduce intensity while still moving the ball forward. Um, just how important the balance of special strengths is. And then the importance of, of teamwork, as silly as that sounds. And I know in the world of strength conditioning in 2023 that it's branding and, and this, that, and the other, but um, you can get so much more done with a team of guys and gals who are freaking monsters at their particular little field, whether it's nutrition and diet, uh, mobility, I don't care what, it, you know, whatever it is, kettlebell, yoga, you name sure. it. If you have a team and, and can work confidently as a professional with a group to take care of your athletes more so than being, uh, you know, a sort of a, a figurehead or uh, for lack of a better term, kind of a, a person who wants Charlie Manson control over the mas masses. And I'm, I can't say it's right or wrong because there's plenty of people out there driving nicer cars and eating fancier dinners than me um, that are very famous doing this stuff. But for us, it's just never been the goal. Right. So on top of the, on top of the human performance stuff and the actual strength conditioning, the biggest lesson, if it has to be one is to build that team quickly and, and hold an extremely high standard. Right. And it's, it's huge to be able to, to extrapolate. And if we look at conjugate attached, believe me, we've had over 150 people through the course and that's, essentially our, our contribution or our promise to Lou was to prove his methods. And we've been able to layer in the, the conjugate system or the West side portion of 150 coaches. Plus, I don't know how many athletes I'm not going to make up some statistic to try and impress anybody, but at least the folks that we get to work with on a personal level, we've improved a tremendous amount of lives as a team, but that would be, that would be the biggest one. And if, again, it's old man wisdom to the next generation is, is just step back and build a team versus, being the it's I'm living proof that you don't have to be the best at everything. Um, just get really good at one thing and then strive to be the best at it, but bring in a half a dozen people that are the best at something. <laughs> that's the, that's the biggest lesson learned in the tactical space for sure. I dig it to uh, kind of echo, you know, something I, I do like about the methods is, is the control of volume and, and intensity. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, and I, I'll just speak for the fire service. Like when I look around that kitchen table or just around, you know, the, the firehouse, I mean, everybody has uh, a lot of mileage on their bodies, yeah. whether, whether it's from the job or what they did prior to the job. Um, <clears throat> like the, the last thing that our members need is, is more mileage. Like they, they've got a 20 year career. Uh, they're trying to get to the end. And, and you know, most recently we, we've seen some retirees that like almost made it, but within, you know, the six months leading up to their date, uh, you know, their, their body failed them and they didn't get to go out like the way that they wanted to. And that's, yeah. that, that, that's a tragedy when someone puts in that, that 20 plus years. So in, in designing a program that, uh, 
is is really you know like i said what i like about the methods is is uh the control of volume and intensity mm-hmm. that the mileage that we do put on it it, it counts and there's not garbage miles um correct so and i think that's a a big part of it is having it and it's not it's not essential but um a big part of efficacy in the the tactical space or this this first responder space whatever you want to call it um is if you if you can em- not not sympathize that's not the way to do it it's like we spoke in vegas um but empathize with what's going on either through your own wear and tear or having seen good and bad examples of what you want to sort of emulate it helps dictate it and um not to hijack the conversation from me but he's mentioned like the control of volume and intensity um using math and and volume in lieu of a perceived um what do you want to call it? I'm not trying to bag on RPE or anything like that, but the math or the science, whatever you want to call it, it really doesn't allow for perceived effort or or your feelings. And the, the work gets done at the right velocity and the work's done. Like you're doing it just dictating off principles more so than subjective feedback. Right. And it, it's again, back to saving most of us, saving us from ourselves. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know that world. I, 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 liked exercising when I was in the military. Um, I liked helping people with it. We started a gym, the gym shifted gears on the West side. And I've, that's, that's all I know. Like we've been fortunate to be invited to other tribes for seminars and workshops and things like that. But, um, I don't know how to go in and out of other methodologies. This is all I've done for 2009. So, well, I, I I mean, it, 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 it it works very well, at least, you know, for, for the groups that, that I'm working with and, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about mileage, but you know, in my department, we're given, you know, 60 minutes to, to work out on shift. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for most, most don't, don't know what to do during, during the 60 minutes, you know, they'll resort to well what they've always done, which, which they learned, you know, playing high school sports or what they read in the latest edition of uh, muscle and fiction or, you know, kind of whatever that is. Yeah. Um, so to be able to give, you know, create a program that really is, is the best use of their time that, mm-hmm. that recognizes that they've got 60 minutes to give you and we're going to prioritize, you know, the things that will have the highest return on investment for That's your, um, for, for your occupation and mm-hmm. for, for your long-term health, like whether it's a 20, 25 year career so that mm-hmm. when, when you can get out of it. Um, you can go enjoy, go enjoy your retirement. And, and yeah. so, you know, what we're seeing on our end is uh, through the use of things like box squats and we, we've got some specialty bars and uh, controlling for volume intensity. We have members uh, towards the back end of their career that are squatting for the first time in, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years, right? Since that knee injury they had when they were younger. Oh, yeah. And now we've returned them to a, a place where it's like, man, like I haven't done this in 10 years mm-hmm. and they're in the gym and, you know, they love the dynamic effort work cause it's light, but mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's building their, their technique. And then when they go to work a, a max effort lift, all of a sudden it's like, dude, I just, I just put on 20 pounds and yeah. man, they, they are, they're stoked to see it. Um, and and it all just it it works very nicely in the fact that it's you know the highest return on their investment 
and there's there's really no wasted time because everything serves a purpose versus just having you know garbage wraps in there uh and and moving away from this idea of like more is is better no it's like you know better is better right so well, i mean your 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 examples the you could ask for a better example at least on my end of the phone and that you're truly limited by time so you know we, we use the statement that you're pursuing optimal training and suboptimal environments in the west side methods in its refinement and understanding and ultimately it's trust more than anything that this will work and that's where you know the coach comes in the, the boots on the ground can get this work done more so than just a a book from a guy you've never heard of you know a lot of those last names are hard to pronounce <laughs> yeah <laughs> some of these manuals yeah but you know if if you have your left right limits or your you know your decision making criteria is in place to effectively exercise a human being um you're good and for you having only 60 minutes like bro we got to build you're pressing you're squatting and you're pulling uh you know week to week to week um you don't have time to sit there and and jack hammer curls or ride the elliptical if your low back is weak like we can strengthen your low back and once that once that main thing is done like cool man now you get 10 minutes of free time go have a good time yeah it's not you know it doesn't have to all be you know just straight up rigid you know paramilitary like you can't turn a fire department into a boot camp. You know sure. what I mean? Especially because it, it, the tone will go off on the last 30 seconds of Fran if you're beating yourself to death. You know? <laughs> yeah. But um, like just everything you said is spot on. And it's refreshing to hear that some of the stuff that, that's been talked about all these years is is landing out there in cities. Most people haven't heard of Nampa, Idaho, I found out. <laughs> no. Um, but in, in little parts of the globe that you know folks don't know about, the application of the methods are, are being are being executed at a very high level for a very direct purpose. And, and that's, I mean, that's the end state is people following the methods and, and tweaking and twisting them for their specific needs, more so than just blindly following a methodology that they may not understand even how or why they're doing it. So if you're taking some stubborn 15, 20 year firemen and box squatting them, it's a, it's a testament to what you guys are doing up there and having been there and met some of your folks and been able to talk to everyone um that, that's not a group of slouches you know what i mean the yeah guys the guys you're working with are not like desperate for a strength coach or desperate for positive vibes and, and attaboys and stuff it's like we want to do really really good at this job so that this guy because that's where I, I can honestly say i'm envious of fire service um and the at least the the tight-knit stuff i've seen from you guys and, and those like you um no one wants to be the reason that eric got killed you know like, oh, I got tired and Eric fucking died. Sorry. You know, it's like there there truly is an obligation. And it's it's wonderful to see because it's that physical culture does not exist everywhere. And um, the importance of it is tremendous. And then you're back to your, your your dependency or codependency on effective training partners. And they don't have to be Olympians. They just have to be people who give a shit about other people and then themselves. So there's I think there's just a lot of great stuff that comes out of um, and I, I'm. Like I get made fun of by some of the guys that work a certain job, but um, I I love the Jocko stuff, man. I'm a nerd on all of it. Um, but I think being able to decentralize a lot of this stuff openly for coaches, you're not harboring information. It's written in about 35 bucks. You can build whatever you want as far as a strength conditioning program or a company goes. Um, you have to understand what you're doing and not be a dick that rips people off, or at least... I mean, some people probably feel ripped off. We can't make everyone happy. But as long as you're not trying to rip people off, 
Um, <laughs> you, know, you can you can get all this stuff done, but if you're if you're not harboring information and trying to make this stuff unlearnable in exchange for U.S. dollars, you can get a lot of freaking good work done. And it's it's amazing to see like the examples that you've said, like condensing down a half a dozen firemen to work out for sixty minutes on a on a training plan and continuously keep them going and feeling better is a, it's got to be a wonderful feeling you know it's it's just neat to see because it's not just you guys there's a lot of freaking people doing amazing stuff with this now um having developed a, a great understanding of the methods and i mean that's kind of a blanket statement but yeah. if we just call it the methods and, and all the categories and subfields and subcategories that go into it um you can develop a, a pretty healthy compulsion with this stuff and and create some amazing amazing circumstances for guys and gals to train in so um you, you know you've, you've mentioned books um if say somebody wanted to learn more right that that actually wanted to open up a book and and to really dive into the history and and, and figure out where this stuff came from and understand it more uh than listening to say the likes of, of you or myself or or anybody else out there um what uh, what couple books would would you recommend? Where where should they start? I think the book of methods. Um, again, admittedly, like I'm diehard. This this stuff is literally tattooed on my body, um, so I'm I'm in it whether I like it or not forever. Um, but the book of methods gives you a great broad stroke understanding of this. Then, if you put the book of methods, and I just think of everything as like a hierarchy. You know? Yeah, yeah. But if you put the science and pack science and practice of strength training by Zetsiorsky. If you put those two on parallel, um, that that's a pretty damn good starting point. I know you lose a, I'm not a CSCS guy or anything like that, so I know I lose a cool guy point if I don't throw super training on the table. <laughs> but for most for most of us, you probably don't have to go down that road in the beginning. Holy I don't think cow! Super training, man, but is that's uh, tough, man. Man, it's it's a it's a sentence at a time. Yeah, you know, chip away at that wall kind of thing. But those two books are a great starting point. And then if you put um, Louis' squat and deadlift manual and bench press manual, that goes into some of the, the specialization of those main lifts. Yeah. And I, I really think that's where, if you're not connecting the red wires, those two manuals, and they're if you hate books, get those. They're, they're 60 pages at most, maybe. Um, but that, that gives you the blueprint of how to train, quote unquote, this way. Um, from there, anything Mel Sif is attached to should be read. Um, maybe super training, but take, take a back burner again, but a lot of that stuff is good. And then, um, some of the stuff that's coming out more legacy style, um, that we're releasing or West side's releasing from headquarters. Um, it's filling in a lot of stuff that I don't think that Lou wanted it hidden. I just don't think it was the right time to release it. So a lot of the the Iron Samurai, the, the new one that was released about the conjugate method and the origin, like that. Um, I, I think understanding the culture and the subtleties of this stuff is equally important as getting the percentages right. I mean, you can Google Prilopin's chart. That doesn't have to be a, a mountain to climb. Right. But really understanding the small stuff, the names that are on the board out there. If you really want to use conjugate methods and the west side system and all these things to govern your training or your coaching style i would group anything and everything to grab the details and that that iron samurai gives a tremendous amount of it as well as the i mean the authors we we lightheartedly make the joke i mean respectfully of course but 
all the guys whose last names have a lot of like Z's and K's and Y's <laughs> things like that. Um, sure. Get everything and anything you can get your hands on and get multiple, multiple uh, versions. So, you know, whether it's a first publication or the second or fifth edition of something, those little subtle changes are, are absolutely huge. The only thing that I would offer caution on is um, maybe, I, I don't know a lot of these men personally, and I honestly don't want to, but be careful on some of the interpretations that are not sanctioned, for lack of a better term, by Westside Barbell. Okay. Uh, depending on how, uh, it's your world to live and not mine, yeah, but depending yeah. on how close to the flagpole and how direct to the source you want to learn this stuff, um, I, I'm hard-pressed to deviate too far from what I call the Westside Library. And yeah. just full disclaimer, I don't make a damn dime if you buy any of the books off of the Westside website. There's no product code or nothing like that. But I, I don't deviate too far from that library for a reading list when it comes to strength and conditioning. Yeah, and, and that uh, that's good. So, you know, you can find all these as long as they're not sold out. I mean, science and practice gets sold out, you know, like yeah. every other month that's, there. That's one um, of the best, in my opinion, that's... Uh, um, was it Back to the Future too? When the bad guy has the the book that has all the the, the almanac, oh, yeah, the almanac that has all the scores in it and shit like that. Yeah, that's the that's the cheat code book right there, man. And it you, is, you man. can just you can read it and reread it, and it you can see how heavily how heavily Lou and Westside is influenced or was influenced by Zatsiorsky, Kurz, um, Mel Siv, uh, Verkashensky, all these guys. And when you read these books, it's maddening, especially if you study for the special strengths exam, because every one of these authors, they all cite each other. Like, I don't I don't think that these men hated <laughs> each other in any way, shape or form, because they all refer to each other versus our generation of right. everyone pretending that, like, here's my brand new patented barbell. Like, it's a seven foot Olympic bar. I invented yeah. it. Like, no, you didn't. But yeah. these, these gentlemen, like, they're they're I don't know. I don't know any of them personally other than uh, when I knew you know, when Lou was here with us. Um, but they're a group of brilliant men and that's that's the point of origin for strength and conditioning as we know it today i don't care like that's where i will take a hard stance i don't care what anyone says like that's ground zero for all the knowledge and then you know the fellas like lou and and that sort of gen one folks that gave shape to all that you know big bang universe dust stuff you know that that generation um you know the legacy guys they they set the stage for our generation and, and guys maybe and gals, but maybe 10, 15 years older than our demographic. Yeah. So it, the wheel keeps spinning, but that's anything from that library or that link. Um, that's, that's where you start, man. But I, I would, I would trace it all back to methods and science and practice. I liked, um, uh, facts and fallacies quite a bit from, uh, from, from Mel Siff, man. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that was good. And that, that was, was an easy one. one. Yeah, that was an easy a, one for me to digest. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a, that's a toilet book. I don't want to be gross, um, yeah. but that's something you, you read when you got a couple of minutes at a time where you're like, I, yeah. I knew that. Like I yeah. knew that was a thing. Like, thanks Mel Siff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, man. I, I, I enjoyed that book quite a bit, man. Uh, well, cool. And, and you can find all that stuff on, uh, Westside's yeah. uh, online shop. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of places to grab and you can get some of those on Amazon used too. like pose methods, always on Amazon and Romanoff, Dr. Romanoff, excuse me, has a tremendous amount of knowledge out there on that. And so, but that, that's a good theme for a library. And 
mean, there's a couple on the shelf that aren't by Lou or the, the Russian manuals that he's sort of interpreted and uh, building the gymnastic body to be fully honest is a tremendous book. Um, Greg Everett's Olympic weightlifting manual. Um, that's another great one. And they're out there, but again, I'm, I'm extremely jaded voluntarily and nor do I want to change. So I, I don't, I don't deviate too far from our, our library, you know, as far as strength conditioning goes, when it comes to all the other books, like you've been out here, like there's, there's books everywhere. There's hundreds and hundreds of books on yeah military history to mindset, you name it. Like I'm a reader. So that's why I, I condone reading and think it's so important for coaches. That's awesome. Um, all right. So, so you, you don't want to read books and, uh, you just you just want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I, I want to talk about uh, your coach's course. Yeah, uh, some, something that I, I came out and I did, and uh, I'd taken a few other like conjugate method uh, courses. Mm-hmm. Yours was uh, significantly more impactful for me. Um, That's cool. And and not not to pump your tires. So that that'll be oh, the no, only, that'll <laughs> be the only nice thing I say about you. No. Um, I, it's it's four o'clock out here, and I will get yelled at at least two more times by somebody I've never met in my life <laughs> uh, before the day is over. And I'll yeah. probably get yelled at by someone who I, you know, someone who's I'm I'm bros and friends with when it's convenient. I'll get sure. yelled at by them. So there's no well, there's no pumping this, tires on this side. Th- bro. This isn't over <laughs> yet, so who knows? I, 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 I I've still got time to yell at you. So. Yeah, I know. That's uh, funny. But yeah, let's. Uh, let's talk briefly about, about the coach's course, what you're doing with that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the coach's course, that, that wasn't part of the plan. Uh, and I know that sounds kind of cliche that, you know, like elephant in the room, like liver King did not plan on becoming liver King. Like, yeah, he did, bro. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, he did. did. So I'm, I'm not trying to rip off like and make a, he fit. also didn't take steroids, but yeah. you know, <laughs> whole, whole beast. <laughs> but, um, like, I'm not trying to like, create a narrative here, but we really didn't plan on a coach's course when we really got to work and hung, I hung up law enforcement in 2015 and I've been working, you know, in equipment sales and running my gym. We had a kid, a thousand things are always going on here. Um, I listed three or four and I said a thousand. So that's how cool I am. You know what I mean though? Um, and then when, when we launched the conjugate club, that's, that's kind of what took just the work that I was doing at Westside and it it gave it a, a name and a home. I'm like, oh shit, like this is turning into a thing and just jumping around the country, talking to trigger pullers and, and coppers and firemen and agents and you name it. Like, that's cool. Like you don't have to, you know, the, the best market, if, you know, if we really wanted to do it, like the best marketing tools we have are the, the teams and the groups that we've signed NDAs and security agreements with an inch thick, um, preventing us simply from <laughs> doing exactly that. So it's like, what a, what a weird corner to be painted into if we want yeah, to try. It's a, it's a great business model. <laughs> you know, so we get to we get to do the work we want to do with with great people and not have to go online and, and try and pick a fight with people for attention. So it's a we're square peg, square hole where we need to be as far as a, a training group goes. But we started essentially top out like we can't do all of the work like I can't I can't uh, program for Nampifier for this guy, that gym, this, 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 and the other. So it was like, well, um, we were, I remember we were sitting in Columbus at the office there and just talking, training, this, that, and the other. And essentially we hit capacity. We can't keep going. So um, we have to figure out how to communicate 
these methods or when I say these methods, it's it's West Side's methods. And I mean you've been to the course. So if it works for you, the tip of the cap goes back up the flagpole to West Side Barbell. If we screwed you over, here's your money back and it's on me. <laughs> you know, a little extreme yeah. ownership. Um, but the decision was made to create the coaches course so that we could communicate this particular flavor of conjugate based training or the West Side methods, communicate that to strength coaches and athletes to go out and get their work. So um, we can't do it all, nor do we want to. Like we have the basic program on the conjugate club. We have the coaches course and then we have our private work. So the public side of this with the coaches course and the workshops and the once a week Instagram post, because I'm not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but um, that's the public side. And that, that's sort of the tip of the iceberg with what we do. But it's a great chance to give this stuff to people to make it your own. And I, what is coming back across the plate, we did the first one in 2019. And what's coming back across the plate now, um, as we approach our seventh course in March, is, is beyond anything that we could have created, because one person can only have so much experience. And my, my experience is not on par with, with a lot of people from our generation of whether it's the GWAT or coaching or gym ownership, whatever it is, like 150 plus people have more experience than one person. I don't care who it is. Um, so th it's not gone completely to plan by any means because there really wasn't one. But when we decided to release the coach's course and um, Louie and Tommy punched holes in it, revamped it, you know, make this better, kill that. You just basically edit it and make it more effective. Um, we're, this is where we're at now, and we can do that once. Maybe we're going to go for twice, I think, this year um, to help coaches have this portion essentially as a multiplier or in addition to what they're currently doing. So that's where we've been, uh, I guess, blessed is the right word or, or gifted, whatever you want to call it, that we get to be the official voice for Westside Barbell in the tactical space. And... By tactical, I mean, you know, SPP for trigger pullers, coppers, and firefighters, you know, whatever you sure. want. But yeah, yeah. you can't put that on a t-shirt and expect to sell 20 of them. So <laughs> we have hatchets and a, and a cool logo, but um, that's really where the coaches course kind of came from was like, we can't keep going. You guys go do it. And, you know, the, some people have been through, I, I assume 10% um, are probably disappointed and hated their experience, but the folks that have kind of picked up what we've thrown down. Um, they've taken the ball and run with it. Like I just, you know, if we put an image to it, I've gassed out and handed it off and now they're running with the baton and it's amazing to see like, that's, that's what we wanted to see happen. And yeah. now the world of strength conditioning and the history of West side barbell has gotten better because of the masses being able to take little pieces of this, apply it to their experience and run with it. So it's, it's very, very cool to see. That's, really, that's the coach's course in a nutshell. <laughs> we give you a free, give you a free lunch and some coffee when you're hungover on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, you know what? It, I thought it, it was a, it was a good, um, especially if, if you don't know about the West side methods and you, you don't want to read the books. Um, it, it was a, it was a great introduction and a deep dive into the methods and a place to ask questions and it was really simplified and, and where everyone is getting so they want to complicate things right um just it, it it was it was simplified to a a place that made it very easy to bring it back home and uh and and also validate like 
hey, like here's here's where I'm doing things uh, right, or uh, and then maybe here's some areas where where I might have been missing. So uh, I I, th- I think the coach the the coach's course was great, man. Uh, we're grateful, man. That that's one thing that is as stubborn as I try to be, or you know, oh shucks, this that and the other off to the side. That's one thing that I I am truly very proud of as you know business owner. <clears throat> Um, you know, a dad and then, you know, being entrusted with some degree of preserving the legacy of Westside Barbell is being able to communicate on behalf of the organization to help other people be able to digest this stuff. So um, for some, it's simply reaffirmation that, hey, we are on the right path. We just cleaned it up a little bit, you know, and I'm the first to like, no bullshit. Like if we disappointed you, we keep a couple hundred bucks in the gym bag. We'll give it right back to you. Um, but for most, with with our intended purpose behind it of of layering, interacting as a force multiplier to your current coaching, versus demanding a cult like following, um, I'm hoping that it's helping a lot of people. And when we get feedback that it did, whether it be interpretation, technical aspect, or even the the real value, as I've always said, is just in the network, like. Some folks are like, you're an idiot, but I met 12 cool people. So that's cool. <laughs> you know. So it's like, all right, cool. Like we try to help as many people as we can simply because before he passed, like, um, and we did a, a, another podcast. So it's not necessarily a rehearsed statement, but it's a true, you know, how we really view this stuff is, you know, in 2018 and many times, but Lou has always told me and, and many others, but if you want to thank me, cause you can't buy the guy lunch, you can't do it, like, he'll punch you in the stomach if you tried, you know? But if you like, if you really want to thank me, you know, prove my methods. And if we have done that, like, great, because he passed before he ever kind of let us off the hook. Sure. That's what I, at least that's my driving factor is, you know, prove my methods. Like, okay, we're just going to keep doing that. Yeah. And then unfortunately he passed and prior to doing so, he he never said, okay, methods proved you can quit now. Yeah. So we kind of have our, our lifelong tasking for as long as we're up to, up to the job and and being able to hopefully positively impact a lot of people versus just billing them. Um, we can prove those methods as, as a larger group, um, simply based off of, you know, more people throwing punches. One of them's going to land. So we're, yeah. we, the, the March course is sold out. Awesome. Um, so after that, we'll get, we'll be at 175 and with our network of, of private clients that we train, you know, outside of the internet, um, it's, it's gotten very, very neat. So it's, it's turned, it's definitely turned into something. There's still a lot of work to do. Don't get me wrong, but it's turned into something for, for not really having a plan. Uh, it definitely gave us uh, structure and goals about two hours into the first coaches course. So it's, it's truly, it's all done from a point of gratitude. Um, not, not recruitment or, or anything like that. Yeah. So um, March is sold out. Where can people uh, sign up or, or stay kind of in, in tune uh, to, to learn about the next one? So um, I think it was July 2021. The website was supposed to be completely functioning. <laughs> um, that was supposed to be January 1st of this year. Okay. And we're the 25th, I think, today. All right. So most of the website's up and running. Um, we've got a pretty good track record of communicating directly. There's a couple people that help me run our Instagram. And we don't even have, I mean, there's not even 12,000 people on it. So it's not unreachable. We don't open all the messages because like the Russians are crashing our systems and sure. stuff. So sure. a little tinfoil haddish. Well, you but we st- usually put out. You we stole their methods. Out, so Yeah. 
<laughs> a tit for tat, right? But um, we usually put it on the Instagram uh, stuff before it goes, and then it's it's usually in the West Side newsletter. The last couple haven't haven't been. Uh, it's sold out before we get it in the West Side newsletter. Um, and then it's it's on our website. We we took the site from it was a landing page until about 2021. Just simply, you know, fill, that's where we got our private work from. It was just fill out this form and we'll contact you kind of thing, you know, um, kind of cheesy, but kind of cool. <laughs> and then uh, where the site's at now, it should have a hell of a lot more information, but we, we can't maintain a biweekly or a monthly course. We just don't have the, the free time to do so. Right. So we shoot for once a year and I think we're at a point where we can do it twice. So when we get to the, the August, September timeframe, we'll figure out the fall course if we end up doing one. So there, there's a handful of announcements along the way and, um, honestly, like our coaches, like, I mean, I know you and Frank are, are running with it in Idaho, but we've got folks in, in Seattle, California, Houston, Vegas, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks, I'm Florida, crazy Ahmed. If I don't, if I don't mention Florida, he's going to beat the shit out of me. And, uh, but, um, you know, a lot of people are taking this ball and running with it. And a majority of the people that join our course are staffers for gyms that are sort of in our network now that they really believe in this. They put their spin on it. And we've been fortunate enough to have a, a positive impact on their businesses or their cultures. Um, so basically our own get first crack at it before we go public. And because we, we keep it small, you know, our, tw- our cap of 24 is, is not a marketing trick to get people in the door. Um, I, I'll never forget. Like, I mean, it's been years and I, I'll probably screw it up, but I'm, Dave Tate um, put out a thing like, don't say three spots left. It's like the most insincere ploy in the fitness community. I'm like, Fuck, like, like I can never ever say like sometimes there are only three spots left, but I'll wait till there's two yeah, or yeah. like get in front of it at four. Sure. But we cap we cap it at twenty four. I'm not good enough to do twenty five. I'm definitely not good enough to do fifty. Um twenty four is our sweet spot. So keeping the numbers small, um, it it prevents us from having to do aggressive marketing plans and things like that to try and fill seats. We just wanna you know, if you want to come hear this stuff, great. And I mean, I know we've talked for years, but yeah, we do the Ron Burgundy. If you like it, take it. And if you don't send it right back, that's fine. Sure. Um, so we've never really put a lot of effort into selling our seminars. They just, they just kind of come to be someday. We'll have to probably get like big boy rules and do this shit. But for now we announce it to the right folks and, and we've got plenty of work at the end of the day. Um, you know, there's, there's more to it than just, um, selling seminars and, and conjugate club memberships. So we, we try to balance it in where we can, we can hit a quality service for everyone. And we've been fortunate that the small group format is that's what works for us. Perfect. All right. So if, if you're still listening to, uh, to me and Gus here, uh, probably follow, um, check them out, Instagram and, and keep an eye out for those, those, uh, notifications. And I, I would highly recommend the course if you haven't done it. Uh, we're going to wrap things up, man. I, I could sit and chat with you for a while. Oh, hell but, yeah. um, as far as, uh, all right. Uh, what seems to be the biggest weakness in firefighters that you've worked with and how do you fix it? Um, as it's hard to say weakness, I, I would say areas of improvement it is honestly strength endurance. Um, so the max effort stuff has its place for sure, but we want to work you guys, you know, three minutes to 60 minutes at a time, practically, 
and and do so not just in gear, um, you know, with your air and, and helmet and all that stuff on, but work the musculature. So um, the overhead position is huge for you guys. And that, that's where I would want to build a set of shoulders on par with like our fighters. Like I want to be, you to be able to keep your hands up or overhead for minutes and minutes at a time versus just gassing out with one heavy press. Sure. I can use that heavy press to build the desired outcome, but balancing all that in, I, I would say overall strength endurance because I mean, it's been a while since I've read any of the forums or any of the reports, but the, the number one killer on scene is, or cause of injury, excuse me, on scene is um, exposure and fatigue. You know, I think it's tight or they lumped it into one term, exposure, fatigue or fatigue exposure. But um, building a high level of general fitness isn't fair to you guys. Like it, it has to be professional themes. So just a hair south of true SPP, because it's got to be fun to a degree. But yeah, um, I, I would say strength endurance and within that strength endurance concept or our dynamic endurance concept, a, a good aerobic base. You know, that aerobic base you can draw from, you know, you can hit your sprints and, and all those little anaerobic bursts that you're forced to do. But ultimately, it's strength endurance more so than any one muscle group or, or concept. It's just keep you able to do repetitive tasks over and over and over again in a, in a state of fatigue. Or sure. right back to our conversation on dynamic work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is awesome. The uh, strength guru recommending an aerobic base and uh and strength endurance it's awesome well it's a it's a i mean I, i'm not strong enough to be an angry power lifter who makes fun of people and i'm not tough enough to make fun of those guys so i'm in a bubble where literally everyone's better than me at everything <laughs> I, I, I get beat up by my friend mark who's you know half my size you know eddie like i get beat up by tiny men for over a decade so that'll take the the ego right out of you and then i'm not strong enough to hold my own with the the monsters at West side. So that'll take the ego right out of you. But having that aerobic base, and I mean, I wasn't good at it, but I ran marathon and triathlon for years. And, um, like I, I was the nerd with the live strong bracelet and the, the heart meter and stuff like that. And yes. So at one point, like the aerobic base is huge, man. And, and we condone it 100% because we're not training strength. We're using what we've drawn from strength sports to build, you know, bru like I always say, I want bruisers with gas tanks. If my name's attached to it, yeah. I want you to be able to do your thing, but you can't fizzle out and be good only once because you don't know how many times you have to do task A, B, and C. So I want you to be able to do a whole shitload of, of reps or rounds of it. And if you're not in good shape, and by, I don't necessarily mean like aesthetic shape, but if your heart's not healthy, your lungs can't, you know, move the air through them and your blood sucks. Um, I've really done a shitty, shitty job here. Like, thanks for buying the t-shirt, but we just got you fired or got somebody hurt. Like, yeah. We can't be a part of that. So the aerobic base is huge, man. Man, that's that's a that's a really good point. Uh, equipment recommendations. So uh, the the methods, you know, the conjugate system. It, it, a lot of talk about specialty bars. We need bands. We need chains. We need you know special machines. Um, so you know, for for a firehouse, we have limited budget limited mm -hmm. space and and we can we can go on and on about you know that the things are, are barriers but uh given a limited budget what equipment would you invest in uh to to train you know the the methods that we're talking about at, at a firehouse yeah. well, i mean it started if you look at the old photos of lou training in his basement in his garage it was a barbell with hundreds welded to it 
a homemade power rack, an ottoman from a living room set for a box. So it doesn't have to be, you know, high tech, high speed stuff, but a good barbell. Um, again, I don't get anything if you buy one, but I love the guys down at Texas Power Bars. Um, they make the absolute best seven foot center world Olympic barbell and they're good people. So a good solid power bar or, or Olympic barbell. Um, it doesn't have to be a full power rack, but you should get a rack. Yeah. If you can't get a rack, get squat stands or in some way to anchor bands safely to them. Mm-hmm. Your band set, like you buy a 10 pack of red mini bands. You can go all the way up to freaking 500 pounds of band tension with, with five pair. If you loop them and quad them and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but I would get, I would get a barbell over, um, starting with specialty bars. And then as you build up the team, um, when you get good at one barbell source, another safety squat bar is huge. Yeah. Um, I would say safety squat for versatility because you can do a lot of exercises between shrugs, carries, um, seated good mornings. I think that's the greatest tool for good mornings as a safety squat bar. Um, and then your, then your regular squats and special exercises galore. Just have a couple beers and start thinking like that's the best way to come up with special exercise. I'm joking, but you know, the sky's the limit on special exercises. Um, but once you get good at a barbell layer and another specialty bar, but the safety squat or cambered is going to take more pressure off of your shoulders or all of our shoulders than a straight bar. So if we can get you strong without putting unnecessary wear and tear or city miles or damage on your body, yeah. um, a barbell that facilitates shoulder health, um, then build your box. Don't buy one. Um, you know, 500 bucks for a squat stool or 200 bucks. Like there's an old sheet of every firehouse I've been to. There's a half sheet of plywood somewhere like yeah. in one of the bays. It's there. Just go swipe it. Well, so we, we <laughs> use, uh, irrigation boxes. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and like those 20 bucks off of, uh, Amazon, um, and like, man, for, for box squats, an irrigation mm-hmm. box, like it, it works great for our people. Oh yeah. You um, can't beat it. And, uh, um, we, we used to say, it's like, yeah, I like these things are meant for, um, you know, concrete trucks. And so like, you can't break them. And then, oh, yeah. uh, my, my driver, um, in our 80,000 pound truck drove o- over one and, uh, it, it broke. So I can no longer say that they are unbro- unbreakable. <clears throat> Tell that to a fireman and he'll find a, find a way to break it. But an irrigation oh, box, uh, is, is a super affordable, affordable oh, yeah. piece for us. Oh, yeah. I would get a, a pull sled. Yeah. Um, pull sled and, and strap with a weight belt. That's, that's your money right there. That's, that's, that's your general conditioning for sure. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely freaking, um, hold Jeff Martone in the highest regard as well as his team, uh, Zach and AJ. Um, so I'd be an asshole if I didn't say get kettlebells. Yeah. <laughs> um, kettlebells play a huge component in all of this stuff. If for no other reason, you don't, have to, you don't have to nerd out on it. Like all of us do. Um, but for a, a learnable tool to build strength, endurance, and mobility into the shoulders, you're hard pressed to find a better, you know, more compact tool, especially for a high firehouse. And, you know, even back on my side of the house in a former life in law enforcement, like a 35 and a 53 pound kettlebell fit in the trunk of a police car right? or in the back seat, And you can pull over at a dead subdivision and train damn near anywhere. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not the Olympic training center, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff, I mean, it, it's 2023. A lot of the stuff is out there. You can build knockoffs. Like I'm not going to condone the company that steals patents and designs um, and then undercuts the market with unsafe equipment. We're not going to mention that. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, get the earthquake bar from the source or PVC pipe, you know, something like that. Don't buy the the death trap one. Sure. <laughs> it's either a 
homemade or Cadillac. Don't go in between. Yeah. Um, but all that kind of stuff, man. And it really kind of depends on the outcome. But for speaking, speaking fire specific, <clears throat> that's where I would start. And then you can do almost all of your isolateral work with band and kettlebell so that you don't develop imbalances trying to manipulate a barbell. Your pull-up rack, or excuse me, your squat rack is going to have a pull-up bar on there. Even if you guys are dead hanging, you're building up strength endurance in your shoulders. So there's a lot of tools in there. And I mean, I've been, especially yours, like it can get creative really fast. Like every firehouse is going to have the step mill, whether it's donated or fancy, it's going to be there. That's going to keep your gas tank up for some, some SPP. Um, so all those things are a great, great tool. And then you can layer in dumbbells as you find them. I, I like machines. I'm very fortunate with, with my career path that we've been, we've been blessed to be able to obtain machines that we probably don't deserve from both Westside and Arsenal Strength and things like that. Um, so machines are cool if they serve a purpose. They can be functional, depending on your definition of function. Um, reverse hypers, first on the list, then belt squat, if you're going down the machine route. Yeah. Um, if it's budget or space, I, I can't um, I can't say, like, tough shit, make it happen. Like, I'm not sure. going to say anything like that. But um, both of those can be replicated without the, the Cadillac option. But if you can get them, your return on investment is much higher than pumping out dumbbell between the feet reps or hanging a dip belt with weights on it. Yeah. Um, so just, just much more effective. And if we're staying in the machine world, then I would go inverse curl. And outside of that, it, it, there's nice to haves and must haves, but for the firefighter, the first responder, the military, I think the reverse hyper and belt squat are irreplaceable, regardless of brand or loyalty. As long as you're not stealing someone's patent. Um, I think that you really can do no wrong, regardless of what route you go. Man, our, our, our people love the reverse hyper. And, mm -hmm. uh, we, we went, uh, for the, the scout, uh, mm -hmm. with, with budget and space and it's, it's been a great tool for us. Um, it's, you know, that was a fun, that was a fun team to be on with the creation of that product. And it's yeah. wonderful to see how, how vast that, or I guess that vast isn't the right term, but how deeply saturated into tactical strength conditioning the scout became. Yeah. Um, that's just wonderful to see. And it's great to know that it's helping people. Yeah. Well, Gus, uh, I think I think I think we've covered a lot for for our first one here, man. I've, we we left a lot off the table as as I knew we would. Um, but that's, uh, it's, we're busy. It's busy. Like that's the thing that sucks is everyone in our world is running gyms or working, so you only get to talk like two or three times a month, if that. Yeah. And it's like yeah, the people you're closest to live farthest away in different time zones and shit like that. So it's like oh, crap. Like we've just been bullshitting. Like we didn't even cover. Yeah. The subject we wanted to cover. We're just talking crap like we do on the phone after a couple of beers. That's it, man. Uh, so we'll 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 wrap it with this, man. Uh, go to uh, song right now. I mean, I get all sorts of song recommendations. Bro, for you're me, hitting me with go to songs go, the day after Panic at the Disco fucking announced their so, breakup. So what I want from you is a go to track. And we'll put it on our uh, firehouse strength and conditioning playlist. Um, and so Dude. now every time it comes on, we can think of you. What do you got? Yeah, that's that. The go-to track is the only difference between martyrdom and the rest of the title. It's like a sentence-long title. Panic at the disco, bro. I think it's track two <laughs> on the CD. Okay. They just announced their breakup yesterday, and you're asking me for a go-to song. Perfect. Fucking no, it's not. This is terrible. <laughs> Emo's right. not dead, dude. All right, man. Gus, I appreciate it. 
I hate myself, man. Why, yeah. why do we got to do shit like this? Oh, this is great, man. <laughs> this is great. But uh, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again. And, oh, I'm all and, about it, man. And, uh, and dust off everything we, we left off the table, man. No, oh, absolutely. I appreciate letting me come on, man. I'm glad you guys are doing this, and, and thanks for what you do on the other uh, 24 hours every day. Yeah. All right, brother. All right, man. Thanks. All right, stay safe.